I was thinking about it right before I got up here. I probably should have preached this last week. That would have made more sense. Like, But you don't just, hopefully, we're not just thankful on Thanksgiving. We always need to know how to be thankful. And we always need to focus on it. So maybe after an intense time of focusing on being thankful, it's good to be reminded. Let's keep on being thankful. So that's what I want to look at today. And you know, we are easily distracted people, aren't we? So often there are things that just grab at our attention. And there are a lot of things in this world that are specifically designed to grab at our attention. And and they pull our attention off of whatever it should be on. And I was thinking about this this morning and the problem of texting and driving. That drives me absolutely nuts. When I'm driving and I see somebody weaving and you go up and they're on their phone and you just think, think about what's going on in this moment. Think about what you're doing that, that in this moment, whatever's on your phone, whoever that person is, whatever the text is, or the website, or whatever it is, I don't know, but somehow it's more important than the fact that you're driving a large piece of machinery that is deadly, and you're surrounded by other people, sometimes going at a high rate of speed. That, that equation to me, and I know I'm sounding old here, but that equation to me that somehow this thing on my phone is more important. I think it's just a testimony to how easily we get distracted by things that are so immediate and tugging at our attention. Now, I hope this past holiday, I hope over Thanksgiving, you had a great time of Thanksgiving. But let's also admit Thanksgiving, just like all the holidays, is also filled with a lot of distractions. Things that tug at us to say, let's focus on the meal, let's focus on the table settings and the decorations and who's sitting by who and will they get along. And it's not that those things are unimportant, just like texting while you're driving. Sometimes that text is important. And it's important enough to pull off to the side of the road and read it. Sometimes. I'm not saying things are not important. Just because something's a distraction doesn't mean it is unimportant. But it does mean that there is something more important to be focusing on in that moment. And I think if we're going to learn how to be truly thankful in our life and not be distracted by things that pull us away from being thankful, then we need to learn how to really focus on what's most important. And so I've chosen as our text this morning, Psalm 100. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 100. It'll be good to have it open in front of you. We'll be going through it several times. It's not a long psalm. It's only five verses. Let me just read the whole thing and put it in front of us today as we walk through it. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And when I looked at this psalm, one of the things that really stuck out to me, while the word isn't being used in the psalm, there's this theme of what are we focusing on? And the psalmist is calling us to direct our attention, direct our focus to something very particular. And so I want to start there. 
we're going to understand how to be thankful, we need to understand that it starts with focus, not feelings. Thankfulness, gratitude, is not just a feeling that bubbles up within us. And it's not just something that sometimes we feel and other times we don't. Gratitude or thanksgiving, being thankful, starts with our focus. Look at the title of Psalm 100. If you're familiar with the Psalms or if you're not, let me explain this to you. You see, it'll say Psalm 100, and under that, you should have a line in italics. Do you see that? And this one says, a psalm for giving grateful praise. So when you're in the Psalms and you see that line in italics, that is actually part of the original text. That is scripture. If you go to, let's see, I'll just drop and flop here, Haggai 1, okay? A call to build the house of the Lord. Do you see that bold there? That's not actually part of scripture. That's something the uh, interpreters put in there, the translators to help us find stuff. It's helpful. It's not scripture. But the Psalms are unique. Those parts in italics under the psalm number are part of the original scripture. In fact, in Hebrew Bibles, that title is often listed as verse 1. So their verse references in the psalms are sometimes different than ours. But look at the title for Psalm 100, a psalm for giving grateful praise. So right there we have this call that this is what this psalm is about. It is about giving grateful praise. Giving thanksgiving. And what I find really interesting is that unlike other psalms, the title here does not give a context. Sometimes other psalms will say, for David when he was running from so-and-so. Or for such-and-such when they were battling so-and-so. There's no context given here. And I think that's actually kind of instructive. It's like no matter what the situation is, Here's how to give praise and thanksgiving. Now look at the text, because it's calling us to focus very intently. And we see it right away in verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord. Do you see the focus there? There's a direction, to the Lord. Verse 2, worship the Lord, come before Him. Verse 3, know that the Lord is God. He made us, we are His people. Verse 4, enter his gates, his courts, give thanks to him, praise his name. Verse 5, for the Lord is good, his love endures forever. Do you see how the author is saying, hey guys, focus. Here's where to put your focus. I know there's all this other stuff going on in your life. I know there's all these other feelings. Could be good feelings, happiness, wonder, awesome stuff. Could be bad feelings, loss struggle. But he says, here's where to focus. The psalmist is intentionally focusing our attention on the Lord. Now, let me just teach you another thing about interpreting scripture, reading scripture. Do you see there, verse one, shout for joy to the Lord? Hopefully in your translation, that word Lord should be in all capital letters. L-O-R-D, all capital letters. That is the translator's way of calling our attention to something, which is this is the proper name for God. It's not a title, it's a name. And in this case, it's the name Yahweh. And we actually don't know how to pronounce that word because the pronunciation has been lost over time because to the Jewish people, that word was so holy, they wouldn't speak it. So we've kind of guessed 
Scholars have guessed at the best way to pronounce that. You may have heard the word Jehovah. It's actually the same word. That was another guess at how to pronounce it based on scholarship at that time. But it's that personal name of God. When God showed up to Moses at the burning bush, and Moses says, okay, God, you're sending me back to Egypt to talk to your people, to rescue them out of Egypt. Who should I say is sending me? This is the name God gave him. Yahweh. And the word literally means, I am. God's personal name means he is. He exists and he doesn't depend on anybody else for existence. Not only does he exist, he is the foundation of all existence. Everything else that exists is based on the truth that God exists. This is the I am. So he says, shout for joy to the Lord. Not our idea of God. Not our concept of God, not our personal feelings about God, not our society conception of God, but the one true God who has met us through his word, who has given us the prophets of the Old Testament, the New Testament writers and apostles who sent his son, Jesus Christ, that God. Focus there. The God who made a covenant of love with his people. The God who keeps his promises, records the promises, records the fulfillments of the promise. The God who has a plan and the God who sent his son to die for us. To rise again and promises eternal life to all who believe. Focus there. Do you see that intentional focus? You see, we too often start with our situations. And again, I want to be careful I never want people to hear my preaching and think that I'm saying your situation doesn't matter. Just put on a happy face. God loves you. Just deal with it. That is not what the Bible says. Situations are hard. Loss is hard. Stress and difficult situations in our life that we have to make decisions in, those are hard. The Bible never says, well, just don't worry about it. It'll all work out. Just be happy. That's not what it says. But what it does say is in that difficulty, You need to choose where your focus is going to be. And you can focus on the sorrow and the loss and the difficulty and the anxiety. You can focus there. Or in that difficulty, you can focus on the Lord God Almighty. And that's going to make the difference in how we respond. See, so often our situations are like the phone that goes off while we're driving. And it's like, oh, I got to pay attention to this right now. I've got to respond to this person right now. I need to have these feelings about what's going on right now. And then all of a sudden, our entire focus becomes on that situation and how we're feeling about it. But having an attitude of thanksgiving does not come from focusing on situations. It comes from focusing on the God who is sovereign over our situations. When we strictly focus our thanksgiving on how we're feeling, then what we're doing is reducing thanksgiving to just another feeling. And then it becomes an excuse. Well, I don't feel gratitude. So I can't give thanks because I'm just not feeling it. But that's not the way the Bible approaches giving thanks. Now, thanksgiving does involve feelings, though. Look back at the text. 
So he starts with our focus, but then he goes into our feelings. So the feelings follow the focus, not the feelings directing the focus. He says, shout for joy. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Feelings are important. God made our feelings. We're not called to just ignore them. We're not called to just dismiss them. Feelings are important. They're a part of our worship to the, to the Lord. That's why I love when we do songs here at Orchard. I love having feeling in the songs. I love hearing the feeling coming from you as you're worshiping. Feeling in worship is important. But you can never start with the feeling. We need to start with a focus on the Lord God Almighty. The other thing I see in this passage that helps me to understand that we need to start with our focus is that this psalm is filled with imperatives. Good grammar lesson for you. Everybody gets excited about a good grammar lesson. Imperatives. Commands. That'll really get you excited. The only thing more exciting than grammar is obedience. But it's commands. Look at what he says. Shout for joy to the Lord. Does he say if you feel like it? Does he say, based on what's going on in your life? No, he says, look here, this is what you're supposed to do. Shout for joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord. Come before him. Know that the Lord is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. Those are all commands. They're not situational. And they're not based on how we're feeling. This psalm is telling us that Giving grateful praise or thanksgiving starts with our focus. When we set our focus on God, we're choosing, no matter what situation we're going through, to intentionally focus on what's most important. That's the beginning of thanksgiving. The next thing that thanksgiving focuses on then is truth. The truth of who God is. And there's a corollary to this. Focus on truth, not circumstances. Because the truth of who God is goes beyond our situations. And when we can see our situations through the truth of who God is, it doesn't make every situation better. It doesn't make the problem go away. But it gives us a perspective on that situation. There's a pattern in this psalm. It repeats twice. First in the first three verses, and then again in verses 4 and 5. Look at verses 1 and 2. As we look at the first pattern, there's this introduction of what we should do. Verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. There's the imperatives and what to do. And then there's a why. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So there's what to do, and then there's a reason behind it. And the reason focuses on who God is. Look at the the pattern being repeated. Verse 4, what to do? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And here's the why. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Earlier, we read Psalm 108. 
And I wanted to give you the, a bit of context there because it caught me off guard when I ran through it in preparation for reading it this morning. It seemed like this wonderful psalm and then you get to the end and it's like, wait a minute, everything's actually kind of falling apart for them. But David is reminding himself about the truth of who God is. And that's why he's able to cry out in thanksgiving and worship even though things are difficult. And I believe that all of Psalm 100 rests on the foundation of verse 5. For the Lord is good. Your life's going great. Having wonderful blessings. New job. New house. New baby. The wolves are here. Where are the wolves? We saw the wolves. Family room. They're waving back there. Little baby Evie is home from the, the hospital and she's here with them. Praise God. In those moments of blessing, when things are good, the truth applies. For the Lord is good. Why are good things happening? Because God is good. He is a God of goodness. And he blesses us out of his grace and mercy. But then sometimes things are bad. There's loss and there's hardship and there's hurt or anger or bitterness. And in that moment, we can recall the same truth. For the Lord is good. How am I going to get through this? Well, God is good. Therefore, I know he has a plan and I know he's at work. I don't see it right now. I don't understand it right now. But here's where I'm going to stand. And here's what I'm going to focus on. The Lord is good. And his love endures forever. He never gives up. So often in the the Psalms, you see the the heartfelt, very human response of, God, where are you? You've abandoned us. But then you also see verses where they remind themselves, God's love endures forever. He never actually abandons us. That's what we feel in the moment, but he is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. What a pattern for us of thanksgiving. What a focus there on what is true about God. I want to go back to verse 3. Look at what he calls them to know. Know that the Lord is God. And some translations add a a little text uh, there in verse 3, and we, or and not we ourselves. Another way of saying this is God is God and we are not. He's God. I'm not God. I'm not nearly as in control of my situations as I'd like to think that I am. Other people are not as in control of my situations as they might like to think they are. God is God and he is in control. And so in the midst of whether it's joy or sorrow and loss, we remind ourselves the truth. There is a God. It's not me. So we are to know that and that he made us, we belong to him, we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God made us for a purpose. So as we go through those moments and we're trying to be thankful to remind ourselves, I have a God who created me for a purpose, who sees himself and has declared himself to be my shepherd. He's leading me and guiding me even now in this hard situation or even now in this joyous situation. I am not lost. I have a God who is in control. 
Thanksgiving flows from responding to the truth of who God is, no matter the circumstance that we're going through. And so often we're not thankful because we are focusing on other things and we're distracted from the truth of who God is. And the Psalms over and over again say, remember, know, focus on who God is. We are so easily distracted. Did you know there's a whole trend in social media and videos online? The trend is towards short form videos. Have you seen this? 60 second videos. Don't give people more than 60 seconds. We don't have the brain capacity anymore for five minute videos. That's way too much. 60 seconds. And then we're on to something else. We have whole generations that are being trained to absorb truth in 60-second sound bites before they're distracted by something else and move on. And the Bible calls us to hit the stop button and focus intently on an eternal, timeless truth. Who God is and what he has done. But if we were to stop here, it might sound like Thanksgiving is just some educational endeavor. We'll just get smarter in who God is and you'll be thankful. And we can't stop there because we've got to go into putting that truth into action. Thanksgiving must lead us to some outward expression of the truth that we have just focused on. And when you look again at Psalm 100, this focus on the knowledge and the truth of who God is, results in these actions of praise and worship and thanksgiving. He says, shout for joy. I love that phrase. This is actually a, a, the kind of shouting that an army would do either right before the battle, as they're about to charge into battle, they just got the rousing speech by their commander, and they're like, yeah, we're going. That's this shout. Shout for joy. It's also the shout that could be used for an army after the battle, and they've been victorious. Shout! Shout for joy! There's so much passion and emphasis behind that. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him. Enter His gates. Now, in the Old Testament, what the author here is referring to is going to the temple to worship. They physically, in order to worship God, they physically were to go to the temple in Jerusalem. And there were all these traditions of what they would sing along the way. This is probably one of those psalms. There's a bunch of other psalms, the Psalms of Ascent. They would sing and rehearse and remind themselves going to the temple. This is who God is and we're going to worship Him. If they had a feeling of gratitude or wanted to respond to something God had done, they would respond by going to the temple. It was an activity in order to express their thankfulness. I think sometimes we've gotten lazy in our thanksgiving. Because we've reduced it to just this feeling, it becomes an inner thing. Well, I feel it inside me. I don't really need to tell anybody. I don't need to show anybody. It's just a personal thing. But thanksgiving is meant to be a public thing. It is meant to be an action from an inward attitude responding to the truth of who God is. 
Some translations actually use, instead of the word worship here in verse 2, they use the word serve. Because those words in the Old Testament are often interchangeable. Serve and worship in the Hebrew mindset was the same thing. To us, worship is we're sitting here singing songs and we're worshiping. To the Hebrew mindset, it was active. Because of who God is, I'm worshiping Him by doing certain things. Serving Him, loving others, being obedient, and yes, participating in public worship. But I love that attitude that worship is active. Therefore, if thanksgiving is part of worship, thanksgiving is an action. Something we are to do. The attitude and maybe the education of thanksgiving that we talked about, must lead us to actions. Because if we just stop, then we become stunted in our thanksgiving, and it just stays within us. But our understanding of thanksgiving must lead to a change in our actions. If we understand that our thanksgiving comes from knowing more about God, then let us take the action of going to where we can continue to learn more about God. Let's open our Bibles at home. Let's open our Bibles at church. Let's come together and listen to sermons and attend Bible studies that we might grow in our understanding, that we might grow in our thanksgiving. Let us come with hearts that are full so that when we sing our songs, there's a context in our own minds of, I am praising God because of this in my life. When we come to prayer meetings and we ask for prayer, we say, I'm trusting in the Lord. He is good. This is what I know to be true, but I'm asking for help. There's a context to it. But the thanksgiving pours over into action. The knowledge and trust that the psalmist has of God is what's moving him to this action of worship. Worship must be something active. You don't come to church or to any church to witness worship. The praise band is not the worshipers. We're co-worshipers with you. You can never be, as a Christian at least, you should never be a, a, a spectator in worship. We are called to be participants. And thanksgiving is a part of that. And the actions that we take when we come together in public worship or when we're at home and we're worshiping God on our own in our times of prayer or song or whatever it might be on our own or our obedience out in the world, our activities are focusing on the truth of who God is and then living that out in our lives. Actions of thanksgiving should focus on and declare truth to others. Look at the words he uses. Shout, sing songs, worship, praise, give thanks. All of that comes from an inner focus on who God is and what God has done for us. But all of it then comes out of us. Thanksgiving should never stay inside. It should overflow in our words and our actions. And then our giving of thanks becomes a declaration of truth in, about who God is. Watch the pattern. We learn about God. We come to trust in Him. We focus on that truth. We respond by giving thanks. 
Our thanks is an outward expression of the truth of who God is. Somebody hears that. They learn about the truth of who God is. They respond by giving thanks, an outward expression of truth. Somebody else hears that truth. Do you see the chain that goes on and on and on? You know, another word for that is evangelism. Oh, evangelism. We, we focus so often on how do I convince my loved ones? How do I get them to accept God? Well, you know what? Just start by giving thanks to God in your day-to-day life and they'll see it. And they'll ask you at times, why are you this way? Our giving of thanks becomes a declaration of the truth of who God is so that others can hear the truth of who God is. What a powerful thing God has given us to show others who he is. So how should we be thankful? How do we go about being more thankful in our lives? Start with your focus. If you're struggling with gratitude toward God, ask yourself, what are, your, what are you focusing on? Are you focused on your feelings? Are you focused on your situations, as important as they may be? Are you focused on distractions? Or are we focused on the truth and reminding ourselves and being saturated in the truth of who God is and what God has done for us? And as we look at our focus, let's make sure we are focusing on truth. Not gossip, sometimes called news. Not just ideas and movements out in the world and they consume our souls. Let's focus on the truth of who God is. Our gratitude, our thankfulness, should grow as we grow to know God more and more. And then in the moments, let's train our feelings. See, see, society today has made us all victims to our feelings. That is not what Scripture says. We are not victims to our feelings. Feelings are part of how God has wired us to worship Him. Our feelings are to serve us, not the other way around. And so we focus on the truth of who God is, And then our feelings are shaped by that truth and express that truth. Because in any moment, in any situation, we have the ability to move our focus and to remind ourselves who God is and what he has done. And then we need to put that thankfulness into action, intentionally worshiping God. Whether it just be in prayer or journaling, responding to it, sharing a story with a friend. Let me tell you about what God is doing. Or I'm really struggling in this, but I read this in my passage and my scripture this morning and it reminded me who God is. And man, that's such a blessing. Or sometimes we have intentional times of testimonies like we did at the Thanksgiving Eve service. What a blessing to hear how God is at work in other people's lives and how people are trusting on in him intentionally worship God and intentionally declare our gratitude toward God so that others may know him better. Friends, we're on a road in this life. And if I could just give you a little word of wisdom, the phone will never stop ringing. It'll never stop buzzing. There's always something else. There's always something in that moment calling for your attention. Some of it's important. A lot of it's not. 
but you'll always be tempted to take your eyes off the road and forget why you're there and what you're supposed to be doing. But no matter what, let us remind ourselves, I have something more important to focus on. And I'm not talking about a car. I'm not talking about driving. I'm talking about in our lives. We have a God who created us and sent his son to die for us. And no matter what the situation is, we can focus there and repeat and recite the truth of who God is and what he has done to us over and over again. Listen to the words of Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let us pray. Father, We need these reminders. And God, I I think and I hope that we all recognize the truth of that, that we need reminders all the time. But in case we don't know that, when we come to the Psalms, that's exactly what we see over and over again, reminders to focus on who you are. Calls to worship. Whatever the situation whether it be loss or joy, hardship or blessings. In every situation, we need to hear the call to focus on who you are, to recite to ourselves and to listen to others recite the truth of who you are, to come to your holy word and to absorb from you the truth of who you are. And so, Father, I pray that as people who want to be intentional in giving thanks, that we would start with asking ourselves where our focus is, that we would intentionally focus on the truth of who you are, and then put that focus of that truth and our response to that truth into action in our day-to-day lives, whether it be in corporate worship as we come together or individually as we serve you and talk about you to others, just our general attitude and actions in this world, Father. May everything be an act of thanksgiving to you because you are God and you are worthy and you are so good and your faithful love endures forever and ever. In your name we pray. Amen.